A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Wednesday, December 20th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Atlanta Sports Guys, we have reconvened after a few weeks away to talk all things, you guessed it, Atlanta Sports on this edition of the program with uh, Padea Python legend Max Markovich and 99 The Game and 247 Sports own Garrett Chapman. Uh, we talked about uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, with a couple games to go. Being on the outside looking in on the playoff picture, we talk about the positives, the negatives uh, to this 2023 Atlanta Falcons season. What's next? The end of uh, the Desmond Ritter era with Taylor Heineke getting the start on Sunday against the Colts. We talk about the next QB, long-term QB answer uh, in Atlanta, Arthur Smith's future with this ball club. Um, then talk some Hawks and uh, why this start to the 2023-2024 Atlanta Hawks season has not uh, gone the way that any of us had anticipated coming into the year. So all that and more coming up on today's edition of Atlanta Sports Guys here on the Chase Almost Podcast. Don't forget, folks, if you're already a subscriber and you haven't already done so, hit that pause button right now and leave this show a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you are listening. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome to the show, daily national sports show out of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, covering it all each and every day, including Atlanta sports, like on this particular edition each and every week. So uh, if you like what you hear today, please make sure you subscribe on your preferred podcast player. You can check us out on YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, just booming these days over 1.5K subs there. So uh, continue growing that platform uh, for me would be great. Full episodes, clips, shorts, all that good stuff, all kinds of great content on our YouTube page. So make sure you're locked in on that front, youtube.com slash chase the most podcast, like and subscribe there. You can also email us and get in touch with the show, podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys uh, if you have not already done so. And then, of course, follow us on all the social channels at Chase Thomas Podcast, wherever uh, you, wherever you're looking. You'll find uh, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff all over the place. And then, of course, check out the homepage, chasethomaspodcast.com. Today, full episodes, all the important links, information about the show that we do out here in Tennessee. So all that being said, that is it. Uh, let's get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello. Welcome back. Atlanta sports guys here on a Tuesday night where I am joined by fellow Atlanta sports guys, Max Markovich, Padea Python legend, Max, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. You spelled Padilla correctly this week. We're off to a off to a flying start. That's y'all's fault. You picked a name that's very complicated to spell. It's not easy to uh, to memorize. Like Partview, I went Partview. Pretty easy. Partview's an easy one. Now Dude, is that connected to normal words put together? Mm. Mm. I don't like Chase it. Thomas. He has two first names. Mm. I actually have my middle name is also <laughs> a first name. I have like three first names. A lot of 
a lot of first names uh, in my name. Uh, that voice right there of 99 The Game, uh, Garrett Chapman in 247 Sports, where uh, he covers the uh, a fan base, a team that uh, is going to be um, familiarized with uh, a certain Warren Burrell uh, this fall that, uh, Garrett, if you would like to talk uh, about uh, what Georgia Tech is getting in the transfer corner. Um, oh, from North oh, Canada, I think, oh, originally. oh, I was like, what are you talking about? No, it's like, yeah, so he's one of the uh, seven new portal acquisitions that the Georgia mm. Tech Yellow Jackets have added. Um, just picked up a young man from Furman, Jack Barton, uh, the SoCon champion Furman Paladins. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it should be a good cat. I, I've, I've actually haven't had a chance to talk to him yet, so I'm looking forward to uh, potentially having that happen. So um, the Yellow Jackets, man, they're looking pretty good. They're playing the Gasparilla Bowl on Friday. Really looking forward to that one, taking the trip down to uh, Tampa Bay, uh, or I guess Tampa mm-hmm. uh, Bay Area on Thursday afternoon. So it should be a lot of fun. They were just at a amusement park or something on uh, at the time of this recording the, earlier this afternoon. So mm-hmm. uh, the ups and downs of their season personified, honestly. Bowl season's just done. I'm okay with canceling. I saw your tweet and I don't agree with that. But I don't, it's it so bad to hear that. It's so done. I won't talk about it on the college football show. I just think with the portal, the calendar just ruined it. Like the calendar with the portal and everything else and the playoff going to 12 games. The only way to say bowl season, I think, is you make a G5 like NIT. Like, I think that would be the only way to do it is like you just do something to that effect. But bowl season's done. Like I have never cared less. And it makes me sad. I grew up on bowl season. I don't know if y'all feel the same, but I mean, Tennessee's, uh, I'm going to watch it, but it's a scrimmage. It's not even, so many guys are out that you're just. Against Iowa. Yeah, I mean. The storyline's really. I personally cannot relate to that because my team is once again in the playoffs. Mm. So that, that game does matter. Yeah, it, it is nice, Max. That that must be nice. Although I, I, your opponent did hire your ex-linebackers coach to. Because yeah, he's scared. Um, is he scared? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not ready to Nick Saban's scared? I don't know. Seems I'm, um, I'm with you. Uh, the calendar also is what what did it. Like, yep. everyone's transferring. Everyone's transferring. Uh, everyone's going to the draft and sitting out. Uh, like, it's if you, I, what I said to a friend is like, if you bet on bowls these days, like, <laughs> you need to be like referred to a crisis. Because <laughs> like, it's just about like who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot I, of true I, freshmen. I mean, it's just a lot of like you're going to see some walk-ons, quarterbacks who never played all year. They're thrust into action because of all the portal movement with quarterbacks. Like it's just it's just broken. Like bowl season, it, it's just really sad. Like I do not want to have this take. Like I loved bowl season. Bowl season might, has overstayed its welcome now with the the modern cultural era. And it has to be. It needs to be removed. No, I I don't think that's necessarily. It's a waste it, of time. Just focus. Let I these coaches focus on the portal. Focus on recruiting. Yeah, so and everything. recruiting, I, I feel like there are some practices. Like that's part of. The they thing. need the practices. That's well, let them practice. Just don't do the game. Like let them practice. Yeah, yeah, no game the experience. It's not about more than the game. Care. It's yeah. about the experience more than anything. I mean, it matters to maybe not to Tennessee or to Michigan. It matters to a Georgia Southern or a, a Toledo or a Western Kentucky. Or it matters to those kinds of teams. But it kind of exemplifies the uh, the comment that chip kelly made earlier this week where it's like we need to just separate the big dogs from the other teams because they play a different sport and it's it's very very clear that that they don't really do anything the same Uh, the budgets are massive comparing michigan to michigan uh, or central michigan or something like that it's it's just it's not the same sport that they play they don't compete they don't have the same resources when they play, it's what a forty-five point spread. It's ridiculous to even put them on the same football field, much less try to have them in the same postseason conversations. And I mean, the football calendar doesn't even make any sense at the collegiate level either. I mean, there's no good reason that the national signing period needs to happen in December and then a second one in February. Just put it in the, the summertime and yeah. figure this out, be done with it, and get it over with. Uh, I mean, there's just weird things about the calendar that don't make sense. The transfer portal being hap- happening right now doesn't make any real sense to anybody. Put it after the bowl period and be done with it. Put it in January. It makes more sense there. It makes you, more sense in February or March. You also have these situations where, like, Malik Murphy has to leave. Mm-hmm. It's for in his yeah. best interest to leave a playoff team mm-hmm. because got to get in the portal. Otherwise, the suitors are gonna are gonna fill up. Like, yep. Like, I mean, you know not to cry woe is me about Michigan, but like McCarthy doesn't know if he's leaving yet. Um, mm. 
and that puts Michigan in a bind. Like they can't take a transfer quarterback because they can't guarantee a starting spot. Um, and and he should have the time to think about whether he wants to go pro after the season ends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of like rocking a hard place there. And I just, it's going to be complicated, but it's also, there's no governing body. Like, so I just yeah. don't think any of it gets fixed. There's just no. CNCAA. Yeah. <laughs> that terrible. might be a good segue into the Falcons who might be. Oh, looking there is them. definitely no governing body uh, that I am on board with here with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, that being said though, because it's the holiday season, we are recording this six days away from Christmas here. I want to go positive because <laughs> this is going to be a pretty, pretty leaning negative pod. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, guess uh, out of the gate here. So, Max, what has gone right for the Falcons this season? I was thinking about this going into today. was like, look, it's been rough. There's a lot of stuff to point to where you're like, this has been frustrating. But I'm like, what has actually been week over week? What have you looked at? And you're like, this is actually something that's gone right for the Atlanta Falcons in 2023. First thing that jumps to mind is Ryan Nielsen. Uh, yeah, I think that was um, the best move of the offseason in hindsight. I think he knows mm. what he's doing. Um, and I think, I mean, we're going to talk about whether the coach is going to stay or what's going to happen with that. But I, I think, you know, yeah, they added talent on defense. Uh, I think Jesse Bates is is a stud. Um, Anya Mata's had a great year, but like Akuda's had a, a pretty good year, I think. But like they're they're not like flush with talent on defense, um, and he's turned that unit into a. Granted, I think it's a little bit inflated by the schedule and the offenses they're playing, but it's a top ten defense by most metrics right now. And like, if you had told any of us beginning of the year that even given the schedule they have a top ten defense, I think we would have been pretty darn surprised. Um, and I'm glad that you know we're gonna stay in the positives that Arthur Smith opted for a younger up and coming, you know, first time defensive coordinator type, like a new, a new mind rather than, you know, a lot of these coaches turn to like retreads um, and some of the older guys, especially when they're sort of under fire and he didn't, and he liked Nielsen and he stuck with his guns and, and mm-hmm. a coach who can hire well, that's like mm-hmm. one of the, one of the, I think one of the most important qualities in a coach. So reflects well on Arthur Smith. And we have a real real defensive coordinator with maybe the best defense we've had since, I don't know, uh, I don't know, over a decade maybe, um, which is really a sad statement of affairs. It was definitely one of the John Abraham here. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking 12, truthfully. Best one since 2012. Who was on the 12 team? William Moore? Is that Thomas Deku? That was John Abraham's last year. Okay. That was Willie Moe, Thomas Deku. Yeah. Those guys. They were were kind of turnover happy, but. Stats said they did well. I do I think like this it. defense is a little bit of a paper tiger. And like, if they had to go against like the Cowboys or something, um, or, you know, it's not going to happen, but any of those playoff teams, like the Lions, whatever, like it might be exposed a little bit, pass rush shills in there, et cetera. But like, that's my positive. I like it. Is that your positive here, Garrett Chapman? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's the, uh, that's absolutely the biggest positive that you have to take away from this team this year is the defense has played really well. And that's despite. So if you had come to me at the beginning of the season, you say, well, they're going to lose Grady Jarrett. They're going to lose AJ Terrell for, for some period of time. You're going to get banged up in at the linebacker core. You're going to get beat up. every. It, then I would have said, all right, I mean, throw it out the window. Um, but that really hasn't been the case. I mean, they'd be a lot better if they had Grady Jarrett. Don't get me wrong. Um, but look at the end of the day, it's like, they've been like Ryan Nielsen is the biggest plus from this season. Max, you nailed it. I mean, he's been really one of the only positives for me, uh, because the defense as a whole, it's like, there may be a handful of guys on that defense that I think that it's like, all right, those guys are, are guys we can build around. We can keep those guys for the foreseeable future. AJ Terrell being chief among those, um, Grady Jarrett. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the, the long-term guy anymore. I just don't know where we are as a defense anymore, as far as that's concerned. And, uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, look, you were handed a, a bad hand on defense just based off of injuries alone. And you turn it into a, t- a number eight overall scoring defense. And yes, it is because of the defenses offenses that you've been playing. You've had the luxury of playing multiple rookie quarterbacks, multiple first time starters. Uh, and at the end of the day, you weren't able to get it done when in crunch time on those final drives. But I know that we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. 
but for the majority of football games, you've been the better unit. And I think that's definitely a plus that you can hang your hat on and say, Hey, job well done. Um, I think that if they actually had all their part, all their parts, we would be talking about a potential really, really good defense. And if they really did have all their parts, I think we could be talking about a playoff team, it, despite the fact that the offense really hasn't been able to do all that much and is far underachieved, especially in the rushing attack. Uh, we could talk about the quarterback position too, but uh, look, the defense has done pretty well, and that's where that's where I'm going to hang my hat. It's never good though to like look at a coaching staff or like a, a team and we we both like we all agree that ryan nielsen has been um a godsend it's really masked a lot of um a lot of the just egregious issues on offense uh keeping the falcons in games week over week it's kind of crazy to think about like if they just had like a 20th ish defensive mind here like how bad things would be um right now in atlanta but um you just it Arthur Smith is an offensive minded coach and we're talking about the best positive to this team being who he hired to run his defense which look like Max said that is something to uh his credit that he went out and he took a chance on a guy like Ryan Nielsen good hire but you're still an offensive minded coach and there is not really anything positive to gleam from that side of the ball I think um through uh this point in the year with two games remaining speaking of uh where the the atlanta falcons are at at the moment garrett chapman with desmond ritter now uh benched going into uh the final two weeks of the season taylor heineke back uh under center against the colts on sunday afternoon at the bends is the desmond ritter era officially over in atlanta yeah absolutely i i think it's mm. pretty clear um <clears throat> i They've talked about growth and development throughout the course of this season, but at the end of the day, it's like there is one thing that's more valuable than gold on a football field, and that's the football. Uh, more valuable than any stat that you can ever glean, like you're talking about. It, it, it's taking care of the football. And Desmond Ritter is far too reckless with the ball in his hands. He, he turns the ball over. He puts the ball on the floor uh, far too often. Just, just going under center, he drops snaps, and that's a correctable error and one that has been consistently rearing its head throughout the season. Uh, and then you, we could talk about that interception that he threw at the end of the game, which is just a dreadful. I, I think people who, who picked Taylor Swift would have been watching the game and been like, Oh, don't throw the ball there. Throw the ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Like she's been watching games since she's been started dating Travis Kelsey. I mean, like what even she would know that. I mean, come on. It's a ridiculous thought. I mean, the Desmond Ritter's done. It, it's over. Uh we had ex- low expectations for him coming into the season. We said on this podcast, I said it on my show. I said it everywhere. All you have to do is come in and be league average. Like that's my ceiling for you. And if you can do that, then the Falcons are going to be successful and they'll take a step forward. And we're looking at a nine, 10 win team. Well, they didn't do that. They didn't take that step forward because your quarterback has been not really debatably the worst quarterback in the NFL. And he hasn't been able to take you to the next level that, we thought that he would be able to at least take him a step up from what Marcus Mariota was last year. And in fact, we took a step back and that's just unacceptable. And, and look, we could talk about the, the, how Arthur Smith is tied to him in the future there. I'm sure we're going to do that here in just a second, but at the end of the day, it's like he has been dreadful and we've seen the flashes. We've seen the good things that have come, but it's hard to focus on the good things when they show up so sporadically. and almost as sporadically as the terrible backbreaking decisions that he makes on under center. And at the end of the day, it's like, I've seen enough to move in a different direction. You like, we, we probably, most people saw enough in the four games last season to move in a different direction, much less to not have anybody else. There is no plan B Taylor Heineke was never really a plan B Taylor Heineke was, uh, uh, everything is flown out the window and we're just, it's our last gasp uh, at, at a potential season saving move that's all he is and that's all he was supposed to be uh, but now they're turning to him and that tells you all that you need to know it it really is and it's just one of those and i wonder too if you had just played ritter more than four games last year how different this year's team looks if he had actually given him more time to just see what you had uh before going into this year just being like this is our guy i don't know if you feel the same max but I mean, 
look, I think Ritter wasn't going to work out either way. It's clear that it's just he's an older quarterback anyway coming in. Um, He was a third round quarterback for a reason. He was in one of the weaker quarterback drafts. Like it was always just kind of like these guys rarely work out. I remember that we talked about it before the year of the stats of third round quarterback success rate in the NFL. And you go through the names and it's it's not a lot of a lot of success there. So the Falcons were putting a lot of eggs in this very, very miss heavy basket and it hasn't worked out. And I mean, Taylor Heineke wasn't even the right plan B where Gardner Minshew is going to guide the Colts maybe to the playoffs and he was right there and you uh, look that's like a whole thing i'm not gonna hit the falcons hard for going the wrong way in the backup quarterback market but also they've done it kind of twice with Mariota last year and then uh taylor heineke this year you kind of missed there too i mean they've missed all over the place when it comes to quarterback and it's just it's very frustrating max markovich and it also it, can we roll out curses based on how they treated Mac, uh, Matt Ryan at the end of his career going behind his back to bring in, try and bring in a certain uh, player not to be named on this very show, Max? I won't talk about curses, but I think the harder question to ask is not whether they got the wrong backup quarterback. It's whether that shows you the difference between Shane Steichen and Arthur Smith. Hmm. Like, like maybe, but you know, Taylor Heineke showed plenty in this past X numbers of recruit. X, uh, X number of years of his career to say that he should have been a viable plan B uh, if you were going to go with the Ritter 1A route. And I I think Steichen makes it easy for Minshew and Arthur Smith makes it hard for Heineke. And I think that that's the, um, that's the crux of the question of the, the Arthur Smith question here is like, is this salvageable? And I, I don't, I, I don't blame Ritter. Like I don't, I, he was a third round pick. Like mm there are you can count on one hand how many good third round pick nfl quarterbacks there are in the league today or really have ever been and like to me it's like it's always just the game's a little too fast for him and Mm -hmm. like when it's all there and it's schemed up and the guys are open like he looks like a pretty good quarterback and like he can make the throws and like he's he's athletic and like He's he's pretty good on on escapability and that being the pocket. He's just it's just too quick for him, and like he makes these predetermined reads that just re- result in like boneheaded decisions because he's trying to like it's all in the head. And and I've never played quarterback in the NFL, and I never will, unfortunately. But like I can't imagine it's very easy to play quarterback when it's all just like spinning. And I, I think that's what it was. I think when they first benched him, that's what Arthur Smith kind of said is he needs to like slow down. And that's a red flag, man. Like you, you can't slow down for so long. And these are NFL defenses and like, it's not just going to like click for you. And like, I don't really care who plays quarterback on Sunday. It, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, neither of these guys will be the starting quarterback week one next year. We can say that for certain, but I, I do think like the way he went back and forth this year, it's just like, he's flailing. I mean, Arthur Smith's flailing and like, I have defended him. I think I've defended him more than most Falcons fans because I think he comes off like super gruff and like annoying in press conferences. And so that like colors your opinions of him. But if you want to say he was arrogant, it's he was arrogant about quarterback coming into this year. Like not the rest of it. Like he was arrogant and said, you know what? We don't have to like make a swing. We don't have to like take a risk. Like we don't have, we, I can, I can turn Desmond Ritter into what Ryan Tannehill was. I, he can be good enough for us to make the playoffs, and we have him on this contract. Like, we don't need to trade up for C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. Like, no, no, I'll take this guy, and he'll be good enough, and let's build the rest of the roster. And I, I think that was arrogant, and I think, it, I mean, it was wrong, um, and that's why things are where they are. I don't really care about the first two years of, of this regime. I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, and I don't really care about like the quarterback position and the Mariota stuff and like like the Matt Ryan ending was messy, but like that was coming anyway. The the, the failure was this year at quarterback and being like, I'm I I am good enough as an offensive mind to like make this work. And he wasn't. And if he loses his job for it, like it'll be deserved, in my opinion. Garrett, with all that being said, do you trust Arthur Smith? to find and develop the next guy or is this now a point of no return for you i i don't know i i kind of came out and and said that i'm kind of done with it and over 
over all of it. Um, I don't really trust him anymore necessarily. I just, because based a lot on and Max, actually you make a great point. I mean, like a lot of that stuff that you said was actually a really good point, And I appreciated that. But at the same time, it's like, that is a fireable offense. The way that level of hubris, and that's not something he won't learn from. And that doesn't say that he's not a, that he's a bad head coach, but that he can't move on and go become a good head coach somewhere else. Or that, even if he does make this decision next year and he's the starting head coach uh, week one of next year, that he won't make the right decision then. But look, you made a bad decision and you sat on that bad decision as long as you did. You have to think very long and hard about that person's decision-making capabilities. Like you really do. And I can't in good conscience tell you that he is the right person to make that decision anymore. I just don't. I mean, he did, he made, I I don't know if he, he didn't make the decision. I don't know if he had any input on the Ryan Tannehill decision. I don't know how much he did in that one. Uh, I can't speak to that. I can speak to everything that he said over the off season about Desmond Ritter. I I can speak to everything that people said about that decision and the way he pushed back against those people. The things that he said and the way that he said it, it's going to come back and bite you. And that's just the nature of this business. It's a thankless job. And it's a job that he talked about at his press conference earlier today. He said, he's like, look, you're like hired to be fired. Like Mm -hmm. every head coach gets fired. Eventually doesn't matter if you're Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, they've all been fired and many of them get fired multiple times. And it's just the nature of this business, but whether or not Arthur blank is actually going to follow through and do that. He said earlier this season, and it's like the, the season effectively has to come off the rails. Well, it's off the rails right now. It, there's still a little bit of time for them to come back and come back onto it. Like if they win out, I, I don't know if they're going to do that. They've never, they haven't won three games in a row the entire Arthur Smith tenure. So I don't think that's going to happen. You lose one more game down the stretch, you're effectively eliminated from the playoffs. That's, in my opinion, that's coming off the rails and the season's over. I don't trust him, truthfully. Myself, I don't trust him to make the right decision. Um, but, Terry Fontenot, do you trust Terry Fontenot either? I really don't know. Like, you look at a lot. His track record in the NFL draft is dreadful. I understand he's made some very good budget acquisitions, but this is the NFL, and the NFL, you need star-level players, and you need to hit on the first round of the NFL draft. So far, so good. So far, it's not so good. You know, you go back to, to Kyle Pitts, disaster pick, utter disaster. I understand injuries have played into that, besides that you look at the next seven players who were taken after him and they are slam dunks. They're not even just good picks. They're slam dunks. And Kyle Pitts has been an unmitigated disaster, unmitigated disaster. And then the next year you go to Drake London, a guy who who has no, no ability to run down the field. I like, I like Drake London. And I think his development has been stunted by the lack of a quarterback, but then you go in and you, you, you draft a, a B. John Robinson, a running back, a player in the top 10 who's been fine. Like he's been, he's been good. He's, he's electric at times, but he hasn't been this dynamic skill player. Who's going to show out and, and and take over football games the way that you promised he would. So that's even before I get into the fact that the the majority of these other players aren't even scheme fits on defense anymore. Like D'Angelo Malone has played one defensive snap all season. So I think we're talking maybe about the wrong person, Arthur Smith, I don't know if he's even going to be here, but should Terry Fontenot be making these decisions anymore? That is also worth considering. I, I, I would like to say that, first of all, completely agree. Uh, I think if you look at, uh, I don't I don't think Terry Fontenot gets nearly enough heat, um, frankly, mm. for the job he's yep. done. And you, you look at his first draft, who were his first three draft picks as a GM. Kyle Pitts, Richie Grant, Jalen Mayfield. I, I don't think, you know, like that kind of, you know, everyone talks about the first rounders. I think Drake London's a stud. I, I you know, I, I don't think that was a, the, the the miss. Everyone talks about his first rounders. They don't get difference makers anywhere in the draft. It, they don't get them anywhere. Um, and, and like, who are the difference makers on this team? The true, like, top-ish tier NFL players? It's Chris Lidstrom, they didn't draft. AJ Terrell, they didn't draft. Jesse Bates, they signed. Grady Jarrett they weren't a part of um maybe you could say drake london maybe but like i don't jake matthews too by the way jake matthews who yeah he certainly had no part in, mm. in 
you know, having. So like they've been the regime has been here three years, three full cycles. Um, and they have no difference makers, none that they brought in. Um through the draft. Which, in the draft, yes, correct. Which well, is it, even the, even the professional acquisitions are good, but all things considered good. They're Bates not was a great good, good. Like Bates has been great. Bates it's is great. Right. Okay, so Bates is great. He was also like a. Like a You're paying fifteen million dollars for a safety. He better be yeah. great. You know, yeah. like he better be a difference maker. And and like Anyamata has been really good, but like that's a he's that's not. Elias Campbell's been good. He's been fine. yeah yeah sure. Like he's been he's been fine. Like yeah. he's the been question good. the question I have for Arthur Smith. We talked about how his best move was bringing in Ryan Nielsen to run the defense, which is sort of a quasi indictment of him, which is. <laughs> You got you to gotta think, like, pretty similar to Dan Quinn in Atlanta bringing in Kyle Shanahan to run his mm-hmm. offense uh, and the defense never being above average. Why did the running game regress this year? Like, that is the question that I, I if I, I, I have no answer for. Like, we, we had no quarterback last year. There was no quarterback on the roster, and you're running with a fifth-round running back and the same offensive line minus – Bergeron, who who has probably been their best draft pick in this past year's draft, like why why is the running game now like a bottom third NFL running game? It makes no sense. You were a, a top ten running game last year, and then you add Bijan Robinson and, and Matthew Bergeron, and you're suddenly like can't run the ball. Like what happened? I, I that one I I I can't get my head around, and that is that is like maybe the biggest indictment of Arthur Smith this year because if we had come into this year. And, and said, okay, what is the one thing you're going to be able to count on? It's that this team is going to be able to run the ball. And they just haven't. And that's, like, why the offense is nothing now. Like, we didn't have a, there's been no quarterback at any point through this regime. So, like, that is the difference this year. And it, and it drives me nuts because a good running game and a good defense, you're probably winning this division. Like, even with Desmond Ritter's ADSC uh, and some of his decisions. Like, you're, you're probably just going to win the division with that. Do you, do you think I it's, it. it's Bijan Robinson? Honestly, I don't. Like, I like know. I like Bijan. I think Bijan's I think, fine. I think is I think it was a, a bad pick. I think we can pretty much because you say went that. from a sledgehammer offense. Like your running attack was just a sledgehammer. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And then you bring in another sledgehammer who is a, also just like a little bit more compact and he's a bowling ball and he's going to run through you. And then you'd go out and change out your, and you get your thun, your lightning for your thunder, I guess with Bijan, but Bijan has not really been very effective at reading holes. He's a, a one hit runner and he, he like cuts up and then he's gone and he basically takes the first hole that he finds. When he gets into the open field, he's great. That's where he makes his magic happen and he puts people on the rear and, and it's, it's fun and it's exciting. It's great for highlight clips. But is he actually tangibly better for this offense? I, I don't know enough about like X's and O's to say. I, I, I think Bijan Robinson's like a good NFL running back who wasn't worth the eighth overall pick, and it's kind of that simple. And like I think that they had all these ideas for how he could work in this offense. And then they've slowly just sort of like dumbed it down. After the beginning of the year, everything was just way too complex. They had him running all these routes they had him in motion all the time they had and it just like wasn't working so they had to go back to the basics and that's just like i don't blame i don't think that's the reason they went from the you know whatever best running game last year to the whatever worst this year um but like i 
my my fear and and maybe the way I'm thinking about this is that Arthur Smith. I still think he's a good offensive coordinator in 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 football. I think he would be a good off similar to Dan Quinn. I think if he went and became an offensive coordinator after this, he'd be good at it again. I don't think he just forgot offensive mm. football in the NFL. I think he's probably just like a little overwhelmed with all the rest of it. And that happens all the time in the NFL. It happens all the time with coaches. And I just kind of think that's where we're at, which leaves you with a really difficult, like what, what next? And I just don't know what next is. I think no Falcon fan knows. I think 81 year old Arthur blank is a level to this. Does he really want to start over where is his head's at? We don't really know what the front office makeup is thinking. Like we don't know how much influence still rich McKay has over what's going on day in day out. We don't know how much um, like the, the impetus for Arthur blank to get this right really, really quickly. And um, how much he's been involved with uh, the quarterback uh, situation and everything else. Like we don't really know. Like the Falcons are just kind of like, <sighs> they're not, openly dysfunctional i just wonder behind the scenes are they more dysfunctional than we have any idea and that there's a lot of disconnect in terms of terry fano uh arthur blank rich mckay and arthur smith and i just i wonder if that gets cleared up if you just clean house altogether like i don't really know um what the falcons are going to do uh this offseason nothing would really surprise me i don't know if y'all shared the same but like if everyone kept their jobs that wouldn't surprise me if um everyone got fired and when i say everyone i mean Fontenot and arthur smith that wouldn't surprise me but i think the only thing that would surprise me greatly is if arthur get is allowed to draft another quarterback in the first round i think with what we've seen to this point the desmond ritter situation going the way that it did if you if arthur gets another job or even whoever comes in after arthur my guess is is blank being at where he's at this front office being where they're at they're gonna go out and whether it's kyler kirk cousins whoever i don't think this front office is going to get to draft a first round quarterback next year and i just i don't want to do this by the way let me just go ahead and say i don't want to go down this road but my I would be very, very surprised if we're doing the ATL sports guys next summer and we're talking about a rookie quarterback starting week one for the Atlanta Falcons, a first round guy like a Bo Nix, Michael Penix, whoever. You don't, I don't do that. Move, I don't though, see unless it. You're a quarterback away. And are we a quarterback away right now? I mean, you've I, drafted running backs and wide receivers and tight ends like you are like you've you've spent a lot of money this past offseason. You think you're a quarterback away. Those are some costs. They can't afford to go that route. They, I, 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 I think they're going to lose their last three games. I kind of do. I think the wheels have fallen I off. I honestly here. don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But are you and, sure? Like nothing would surprise me. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Sure. I'm not sure. I think the Bears are playing better right now. I think the Colts are playing yeah. better. And I think the Saints are playing better. So like, let's say there was two or three. Let's say they're picking eighth, right? Mm. You have to be aggressive in going to get a rookie quarterback. And if I agree with you, that's the predicament they're in. It's like, you can't have Arthur Smith on a, on a, you know, a make or break year drafting a rookie quarterback who you want to come in and develop, right? Which makes me, if the options are keep Arthur Smith and go get Kyler or Kirk Cousins or fire Arthur Smith and get a new coach to tie him to a rookie quarterback, I'm taking the latter because Mm -hmm. I I think that's what this franchise needs. Like you're not, you're not a Kirk Cousins away from being a contender in the NFC. You have to sort of, soft restart i think like the roster's not yeah. barren like there, there are plenty of talent here but you have to do some kind of like quasi restart and i i the more i think about this i think the more more likely outcome is they keep fun and they fire smith if mm. things end poorly here this season as we think they are Fonno and smith were not tied originally like they mm. weren't like a bm coach duo throughout the interview process Fonno was open to working with Joe Brady, for example, if you wanted to look that route. I'm, I'm not sold on Joe Brady as an NFL head coach, but whatever. I I think that they'd be more hesitant to fire the GM. And I think if they lose these last three games and it's like we need a rookie quarterback and like we need we need someone new. We need a Ben Johnson to work with him. I think that's I think that's the most likely outcome. Which I, I would I would have if you would ask me 
two, three weeks ago, even, I would have said there's no way they're going to fire Smith. But, like, I didn't lose, think so either. If you lose your last six games, including to the worst team in the NFL, and, you know, you go six and 11 with that schedule, like, that is that, that's, that's fireable, <laughs> that's unsalvageable. And I, I think, like, if you're going to draft a rookie quarterback, you probably need someone new in there. Well, it really wasn't until I I sent out a tweet on Sunday, and it really wasn't until I started formulating the tweet that I was like, "All right, I right, I'm done. Like I'm over it. Like it's it was the fact that you add in the it's it's not even the fact that you have X number of losses because I know uh, who who said is it? like you are what your record says you are, right? Mm. Like this is the NFL. At the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. But at the same time, you start adding up what those losses were. You have the two losses to actual playoff teams, right? Those both came by two touchdowns. Every other loss came against a quarterback who was still learning his teammates' names, uh, uh, Kyler Murray, and one of the worst uh, uh, at the time, a one-win Carolina, or excuse me, one-win Arizona team. You have the one-win Carolina team. You have a rookie quarterback making his first ever start. I mean, you have a Buccaneers team at home when you're on a two-game winning streak and have the ability to put away the division. And effectively put yourself in a in a can't be touched scenario. You would be two games ahead of anybody else in the NFC South. Like, and it's it's just mind-numbingly bad. Not even for I, I oh wait, I forgot the Washington Commanders who are firing their head coach at home. Like at home, the losses have been so bad. Like they're losing to either miserably bad teams who are picking in the top. You're losing to you're you've lost to four teams picking in the top five. Mm. Four teams picking in the top five. The two teams that are playing in the playoffs, not including the NFC South champion, who who knows who that's going to be at this point. You lost both of them by 10-plus points. It's ridiculous. I, I, and it was as soon as I put all that stuff together, I'm like, I, I just can't get behind it anymore. The, the team has regressed when we expected it to take a step forward and potentially win 10 games. So, I mean... Maybe he has his job. I think he will because I think Arthur Smith doesn't want to go through and stomach another rebuild. But heaven forbid, heaven forbid we go out and get a Kyler Murray or or go sign Kirk Cousins to some massive contract coming off of an Achilles injury or or trade for somebody like a Ryan Tannehill is going to command $15 million that he doesn't deserve. Like, all due respect, that would bury our franchise. I think that would be a disaster of a decision. And if you have to do that or draft a quarterback and I'm trading multiple first round picks to jump into the top three, I'm doing that. And I'm not even thinking twice. I, I, this would be one discussion. If this team was like the team last year, plus an improved defense, they win the division yeah. and they go 10 and seven. And it's like the passing game just isn't there. I think I'd be on board at that point with bringing in a cousins and a Kyler and saying we're close. It's not like it's broken and you have to, in some ways the schedule was a mirage this year. Like this is one of the worst five teams in football. Like it's not a question. And and I think mm. it's one thing to say like they can't stomach a rebuild, but I, I the, the thing that got me over the hump with this is like, look around the league at some of the, like how quick some of these rebuilds go. You bring in mm. a new coach. If it's the right coach, you have D'Amico Ryans and the Texans, you have Shane Steichen with the Colts. Like these first year coaches step in like Dable last year, they step in and, and like Peterson. You yeah. can turn it around really quickly. And if you get the right quarterback and you get the right coach, it's going to work out. And that might mean losing like a Ryan Nielsen, which would be a huge bummer um, or something like that. But like, those are the two most important things in the entire sport. Get the coach right, get the quarterback right. And it, right now the Falcons, I don't think have either. So that's kind of where you got to start. Go birds. I think it's just. They still don't have a pass rusher, by the way, for the twentieth year in a row. No, not one good pass rusher. I think next year is the year for Abiketti. I'm losing my um, brain about the pass rusher. I'm I'm sick to my stomach. Just go look at Montez Sweat. What did Montez Sweat do for the Chicago Bears? By the way, mm. they traded yeah. for him, locked him down. What is it, second round pick? He kind of all of a sudden they have a salvageable defense. Shocker. You're gonna unbelievable. Get you have to keep your second round picks for the trade up to, to number two for Drake May. I, want I would. Drake I mean, I want Drake May in a Falcons uniform. I think that's what's going to happen. I'm not. Dude, I think he's myself. the perfect gun in my head. You, if you put a gun to my head, we're going to make the Panthers trade from last year, and that's what I think. 
I'm, I mean, I'm here for it. Like nothing to lose here. Like that's the better route. I don't want to sign one of the, the vets. I don't want to go the stopgap thinking that it, the, just try to save people's jobs and uh, like, let's maximize all go of our sunk assets and they do need all a that. Splash. Yeah. Something has to splash. There has to be something because well, it doesn't have to splash at all. Arthur, I would no, say it, if it's it, Arthur, it, if it's yeah. Arthur, they need something to get fans excited. There is nothing there to get fans excited. If you do that and then trade for Ryan Tannehill. I yeah. was watching Jaden Daniels highlights earlier today. I can, <laughs> I just worry about his health. I just, that just yeah, takes some that. terrible shots. Drake. He takes some terrible Drake May shots. Is, Drake may is the guy. I, I, he is the guy I want. Caleb Williams will be fine. I don't know if we'll be able to be in that sweepstakes, though. Can I interest you in a J.J. McCarthy? No. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, um, <laughs> before Max does this. Um, it goes bad to worse. Bad to worse. But you know what's funny, too? Hey, they've won two of their best three last three games. Thank you very much. I mean, they beat the Pistons. And not even, like, it was the Pistons. They tried game. their damnedest, too. I, I was worried going into that game where I was like, this has a loss written all over it. This is just... And I wonder what kind of tipping point that would be for this team. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd sex to y'all in the group chat where I'm like, this is a sneaky like dividing line in the season where you're like, you lose this one. I, I'm very curious what ownership and everybody else does because no one wants to lose to this team. Like you've lost 24 whatever in a row. Someone's like if you're one of these teams that are trying to fight and keep your head above water, losing to this Pistons team is like, uh oh, like the Warriors, they lose to the Pistons in this version. They're like, all right, I'm out. Like this team, we're cooked. Like the. It's just they're getting everyone's best game in a weird way um, because no one wants to lose to uh, to Detroit right now. But I don't know, like as someone who's watched a lot of uh, these games and just over the years in the Trey Young era, and look, Trey's been the lone bright spot, really. Like Trey's played unbelievable basketball the last couple of weeks. Trey's fine. Um, honestly, he's shooting better than I thought he would shoot to this point in the year. Like I have no Trey issues. Like the floaters are back. He was struggling with that right out of the way. Like, Nothing really about Trey Young has been the issue here. Steals are up too. Steals are up. Like Trey's fine. This is the best bat. He's playing the best basketball of his career. Dejounte Murray is going to make forty-seven million dollars in four years for this team, and Dejounte Murray has um, not been good. Anyeka and Kongwu is somehow worse than I ever would have thought he would be at this point in his career in the extension. Clint Capella's not doing well with the defensive changes. I was talking to Ke- uh, Kevin Chenard about this a few weeks ago. Struggling with that. Not staying healthy. <laughs> He's always a slow starter to the season. And then I never would have predicted a season just completely going off the rails, or this particular season going off the rails, due primarily to Jalen Johnson being lost um, for an extended period of time. But you were 8-6 and six with Jalen Johnson, they were fun. They were fast. It was a fun offense, kind of rivaling what the Pacers have been doing with Halliburton and company. Um, but now you lost Jalen Johnson. The defense is god-awful. And there is no depth. You look at it, and you're like, oh, is Bruno, Bruno Fernando going to be our uh, backup center tonight? Is Garrison Matthews going to start for this team? Is Wesley Matthews in the rotation tonight? Like, Forrest is back um, in the rotation every now and then. This is just bad and i don't it's like not even fun bad it's sad i don't really know how you get out of this now because you've committed a lot of money to this group bogey's playing really good basketball love bogey and i'll ride and die for him but goodness aj griffin just completely out of the rotation no trade value whatsoever deandre hunter injured again (laughs) giving you absolutely nothing uh for a full year again i just i don't know like i I'm stunned at just kind of the way uh, this Hawks season's really unfolded. And I just, I don't know what moves they can really do to fix this. Like, it, to go positive, outside of Trey's brilliance, Max, where is Atlanta thriving? Where are you watching these Hawks games going? All right, that's good. I, I like that. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm so sick of this group. I'm, I'm just so sick of it. Um, the, the positive is Jalen Johnson, like, in, mm. in a sort of weird way like he's a core piece like he's you're not trading Jalen Johnson and like Mm -hmm. I think that's become even clearer as he's been out like I don't know um I guess the positive is like Trey I I I just like I just am so fatigued by all of it Mm -hmm. like I feel like we've had this core group of guys on the Hawks in our lives for like 
30 years and like <laughs> they had the one run and you're just like they can do it again they can do it again and they just it's not gonna happen and like mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sick of it and I'm sick of it all. And there's no move to be made. Like there's no, I'm like the, the rumors about like the Raptors guys and like, oh, it's like, no, like, no, 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 I don't want it. And like, I don't think a Kongwu is who I thought he'd be, which is a real bummer. Like I just, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on all things like future of the Hawks. Like I just, Akongwu's rebounding is one of the more just mind-blowing parts about a guy his size and everything else. The Hawks rebounding as a whole is so bad, but like Akongwu, I just, I, I'm I'm so disappointed in Akongwu this year. Like he's had all the opportunity. It's right there. Clint's struggling and he just can't take it. And there's a reason Clint Capella is still on this team. And it's because the man cannot take control of this spot like he just he just can't and i think it's just becoming clear like he's not your long-term five like he's just he's just not i don't know do you do you agree with that sentiment garrett he hasn't taken it um i i haven't seen the development that i've wanted to see from him um i mean what's he shooting from three i just pulled up his stats let me see how many is he taken 30 percent one per game it's not bad I mean, there are a lot of open threes. And most of them are open threes. I don't have to guard you. Yes, that's 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 fine. It's it's okay. I mean, like that's okay. But the boards aren't there, and and the the minutes are, and like he's playing the same number of minutes as Clint Capella is effectively. Quinn Snyder is telling you, it's like, hey, we need you to be our guy. Just take it, and he just won't do it. But. As far as positives go, I mean, DeAndre Hunter's playing really good ball. Um, all things considered, like he's not ever going to become that guy that we expected him to be when we drafted him third overall a couple of years ago. He's never just never going to be that guy. He's a fine 3 and D player. Like that's just who he is at this stage of his career. But he's shooting 40% from three. And at the end of the day, it's like, I'll, I'll take that. Like I really take that. And Trey Young is playing at a high level. It's like, and it's not even the, just the fact that the points and the assists and everything else that we love, it's awesome. But the efficiency is there. He's not taking those back-breaking shots that became just a Trey Young staple of the last couple of years. He's letting the game come to him. And Quinn Sanders talked about that a lot in his press conferences. Like Trey is not trying to force the issue too much like he had in the past. It's not all the way showing up on the scoreboard. I think the team has just been dealing with a lot of injuries. I mean, the game on Saturday against Cleveland was just a, a schedule loss, really. At the end of the day, it's like based off of the amount of injuries you had, Clint Capella was out, Bogey Bogdanovich was out. I mean, it was brutal. And they played shorthanded, but they played really well, all things considered. And I think this is still a playoff team based off of the way it's currently constructed. I think it's a playoff team. It's going to play in the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to get out of the play in round. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like I think Trey Young, just his existence on this roster is going to propel you at least to that in the Eastern Conference. But I don't have a lot of sheer positives, though. I, I really don't. I mean, like the way that this team has regressed in the wake of the Jalen Johnson injury is a clear indication that they are way too small on the wings. They got to get some better size out there. And I. I they're just not very good. Like this is just not, this is that that flash in the pan. Max, I think you mentioned that, that one season that they had back in 21, just a flash in the pan. It was just a flash in the pan. And it's just, I don't know what direction you go. I really don't. I mean, at this stage, Bogey Bogdanovich is playing some really good basketball. Do you have to move on from him? Like, I don't know what the next move is. I really don't. Well, it's like the bench is so bad. Like, you just go through it. Like, there's no depth. Like, you look at just how bad it is. And, like, not getting anything from Kobe uh, Bufkin, that hurts. Because you just need bodies. Like, you need you need guys in that first-round spot to play some minutes. AJ Griffin, like, burying him. I don't really understand why that has happened. But the confidence is gone. Like his, Hasn't played not... for a month for, yeah, because like, he's been I... out with personal issues. Just not good um, to be in that spot. Uh, Garrison Matthews, the team's awful when he's on the floor, like minus 19 per 100 possessions. Um, without looking, who would you guess is the top three in plus minus per 100 possessions on the Hawks this year? Bogey Bogdanovich. 
He Ray. is number four. It's not Trey. Uh, it's not Trey. Clint Capella. Uh, Capella. Nope. Capella is negative one. Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay is number one at plus ten. Wait, Jalen Johnson count. Jalen Johnson counts. He's number two at plus nine point five. It's really not Bogey. Oh, Bogey is eight point five. Sorry, I misread that. Bogey is. Okay, I was about to say. I was like, My Bogey's bad. been like he's I been number, number one four. in Excuse like me. plus yeah. minus every time he's played. Trey's number four. <clears throat> Teams three point six per hundred possessions in the negative when Dejounte plays. Negative three point seven when De- DeAndre Hunter is out there. Um, Wesley Matthews minus thirteen. Uh, Garrison Matthews minus nineteen. Trent Forrest minus nineteen point two. Bruno Fernando minus five. Anyeka Kongwu barely plus two, so kind of surviving. Capella just uh, at that negative spot. I mean, I think if Johnson's healthy, I think I agree with Garrett. Like they're still a play a t- playoff team. They're somewhere in that group because I think the offense is really good. Like there are some uh, spacing stuff that I like with Jalen Sadiq slash DeAndre Hunter, um, DJ, but I really prefer Bogey in that spot, and I think Bogey and Trey. Um, just I understand what you're losing defensively, but they're just a pain to deal with offensively. And when Bogey is this healthy, it's awesome. So I don't know. I just I don't know what their move is. Like the Pascal Siakam stuff feels like forever ago, and I just I don't think they have any pieces. Like I think you're just kind of stuck here for a little bit because you can't move Dion uh, Dejounte anytime soon. You're obviously not moving Trey. I mean Capella really doesn't have a lot of value at this moment, and Yeka definitely doesn't have any trade value. You've killed uh, AJ Griffin's trade value. What are you really getting for DeAndre Hunter? Kobe Bufkin obviously haven't seen anything to... I, I just I think you're kind of just stuck with this group for this year. And you your best trade asset's hurt. And also, he's as Max pointed out, he's a building block. Like Jalen Johnson, what we saw from him? No, sorry. The upside's really high there. Like that kind of player, you, you have to play him a lot of minutes and you have to keep him around. Like he's a part of the court. There's no way around it. You can't trade Jalen Johnson. My, my like last real thought on the Hawks mm-hmm. is like... It's a, it would be easier if if there was one or two clear problems. If yeah. Trey had cratered, if it you know whatever, if it was like Capella's and Albatross, like if there were like one or two clear problems, it's not that. It's just like so blah. And like, like we the, thought this team could be a top four seed in the East before the year. I have no hope for any of that. Like I have no hope for them even clawing close to the top four. No. This is a play-in team I again. I, I do think part of it is like the rest of the NBA is so good. Like the NBA is the talent in the NBA is so good. Not the so, East. Like yes and no. Like there's there's not many like top four scoring teams are in the East. I'm saying if you look at the East right now, you have the Knicks in the four spot or the five spot, the Magic in the four spot. The Cavs are crushed by injuries. The Heat have start, started terrible. The Pacers have lost four straight. The Nets are okay. <laughs> They're, I mean, it's not like they're overwhelming in the talent department. Like, it's not like there's a lot of great stuff. And obviously, you have the Wizards, Hornets, and Pistons, obviously, in this side of the conference. Like, there's a lot of bad teams uh, in the East. Yeah. I mean, the fighting Jordan Pools are, that's definitely an easy one. Yeah. The Michigan players not really giving the NBA a lot this year. Um, Garrett Chapman, what can the good folks check out from you uh, across 89 the game and uh, 247 Sports this week? Last thing, last thing I'll say on this real quick. Yeah. We are barreling towards a precipitous drop on this team where Trey Young asks out. It's coming. It's going to happen in the next two or three years. If there's nothing that changes, this has just been, we've had the same conversation about this team for the last three years. It's been the same conversation talking about, oh, Nyeka Kongu is going to take the next step or DeAndre Hunter. Oh, yeah. Who's this next new guy? Oh, we can go make this trade and go do this. We've been talking about the same thing for three years. And, Trey Young has continued to play the best basketball of his career. He has improved every just about every single year of his career. And we're very, very nearly at that level where he asks out and everybody blames him for it, but I wouldn't blame him at all. Like He's done everything in his power to be the star, the dude. And I think there's been a an absolute failure from the front office for the Atlanta Hawks to provide a winner for this team. Just That's fair. Is good. And... Speaking of which, uh, National Signing Day is coming up mm. on <laughs> on Wednesday. So uh, check me out there at GChapHL. We'll be uh, getting some coverage coming out for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets 24-7 sports at gojackets.com. Um, That's going to be a lot of fun. And then 
heading down to the Gasparilla Bowl on Thursday afternoon after I finish up at the Steakhouse over at the station, 92.9 the game. Um, going down, covering the, the Jackets Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'll be back up here, and Sunday we've got Falcons. So uh, Falcons all day, West Durham, Dave Archer, got all the coverage you need on 92.9 the game and Falcons Radio Network. And then after that, we've got Falcons Flyover where we'll react to whatever happens. And what happens, I don't know. And we'll see. You can't prep for something. You can't prep for that, man. You just know it's it's like a storm. You just got to make sure you've got your bread and water and you, you got your, your, your extra set of batteries because you know chaos is about to ensue. It's Taylor Heineke day. Get fired up. Woo. Also, make sure you pack those little Debbie Christmas snacks. Those are so good. <laughs> the little Debbie Christmas zebra cakes. Oh, undefeated good. just absolute deliciousness like i'm i'm all about him max markovich padilla python legend 19 on the game garrett chapman thank you as always and i'll talk to y'all very soon nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.